Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. Joining me today is James the Sharp End Sharp, and we're going to be dissecting uh, Leicester City's defeat to Newcastle United at the King Power Stadium on Saturday. Before we get underway, I'd just like to remind you to head over to beer52.com. If you like beer and you like it free, head to beer52.com. Use the tagline Leicester to register and you can be joining, enjoying eight beers from around the world uh, for free. All you've got to do is pay your postage and packing. Now, yep. James, bitterly disappointing again, wasn't it, on Newcastle? It feels like an opportunity miss. Paul Puel said that himself, Claude Puel, the manager, uh, that it was an opportunity miss. The gap now, six points with Burnley. But, and it was quite a controversial game as well. It was one of those games where everything went wrong for Leicester City, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was. I mean, people will look at the penalty incident on Mares, whether that should have been and whether it shouldn't have been. Would that really have changed the result? Pop, maybe, but I thought it was a game that Leicester didn't really deserve to win, to be honest. I thought they were poor. Um, everything that's not been going right for them over recent weeks whether that be style or chances created or everything about it just wasn't wasn't good really and uh, a lot of frustration around um, from supporters uh, because like you said a, a bit of a chance missed and yeah they found poor, it hard really. on home soil, uh, home soil at the moment to yeah, win games we're, so we remember or we like to think of, of the King Power Stadium as being a bit of a fortress because it has been over recent years, even during the kind of Great Escape season, you looked at those home games as being ones that Leicester should be looking at winning. Um, title winning season, of course, it was a, a real happy hunting ground, real fierce atmosphere, intimidating place to go. Whereas recently we've had what Stoke, Swansea, Bournemouth, and Newcastle now all come to King Power Stadium and, and gone away with stuff, which is a real disappointment from where Leicester have been with their kind of home form over recent years. Well, they went into the game on the back of back-to-back away victories as yeah. well, didn't they? Uh, West Bromwich Albion and Brighton. But it was a very similar performance to Brighton. We said at mm. Brighton they didn't play particularly well, but they managed to grind out the win. They didn't concede, rode their luck a little bit with the penalty save. Yeah. Uh, but they, that look deserted them this time, and they didn't seem to learn the lesson from the Brighton performance. They started slowly again. Uh, the tempo of the play in the first half, the passing, was just too slow to get through a packed defence. They couldn't move them about. They were very set in their formation, Newcastle, and City just found it very, very frustrating to try and break them down. It hardly created a chance. Yeah, it was the, the first shot on target was, was the goal. That was after, what, 80-odd minutes, which, when you're at home, you really, against a side like Newcastle, who, got to give them credit, they were strong, up for it, um, resilient, very well organised by Rafa Benitez. You would argue they've got more to fight for than Leicester. They're still looking at looking at securing their survival. But even, so having said all that, you would still hope and want Leicester to be able to dominate a game. Well, at least dominate. They didn't even get anywhere near dominating it on Saturday. You'd expect them to do that. Well, what about the uh, the penalty? Because that was the obviously the big talking point after yeah. the game. Um, 
Leicester City were adamant they should have been given a penalty when Demet uh, seemed to pull down or trip Riyad Mahrez just before half time. At that point, it was 1 0 to the visitors. Uh, if Vardy had struck that and put that away, 1 1 going into the break, could it have been a different scenario, second half? Possibly. Um, it changes the dynamic of the team talk, it changes the dynamic of the momentum going into that half time. I thought it was a penalty, I thought it was nailed on in real time and watching the replay. I know the Newcastle reporters to our right didn't they thought they got uh, the ball they were adamant there was a yep. touch on the ball and then even in the, pre- well, even in the press room at half time there was a lot of debate from people some of us thought it was nailed on not just us who people might argue have a vested interest but it, others thought it was a Stonewall penalty others thought it was a dive from Mares. others thought people they thought they got the ball it's all um, it's all lifts but some maybes isn't it well let's, let's bring up VAR because this is the sort of situation that people think VAR is going to solve and it's not is no, it it's, not it's still all. going to be down to one person's opinion who's sat in a studio down near Heathrow watching the Premier League productions feed of the game and it's up to them to make the decision and as you just stated so many people uh, had seen the replays time after time and they're still coming up with different opinions on it. So yeah, because I thought it was, I thought it was a clear and obvious error, which is the phrasing that they always use. Other people thought it was a clear and obvious, correct decision. So whatever happens, it's different. When you look at the one that left uh, that for the famous the Ian Atcher goal in the FA Cup, which was clearly offside onside. That's really simple to clear up. That's easy. Things like the Mares one, it's just going to be. Taking the opinion of either the bloke on the field or the opinion of the bloke in the box. Well, it should be used for moments of fact, not m- moments of opinion. I mean, if we look at technology used, um, saying cricket, yeah. yeah, is it pitching in line? Is the ball pitching in line? Would it have hit the stumps? They're, they're, they're moments of fact. They're, they're talking points of fact. Not yeah, and even they, they and they also enable they give a bit of leeway to the umpires because they have the, the umpires call for it if it's just clipping the stumps. So they almost. Embrace the fact that there is a. Sometimes it's not just black and white. Whereas, say with tennis, it's just on the line, mm. out. They, they are binary black and white decisions. Whereas football isn't that, is it? It's not a game of. It's not always a game of yes or no. It's a. There, there are grey areas which that might. That certainly is one. Um, Stuart Atwell as well is another grey area. Harry Maguire, a uh, little tussle oh, yeah. with Dwight Gale. Towards the start of the game, um, Gale was all over him, right, trying to get a piggyback, wasn't he? And yeah. Maguire was trying to swat him off. Unfortunately, caught the diminutive striker straight in the face. Atwell, thankfully for Leicester City, decided it was just a yellow, um, but a lot of people thought it was a red. Yeah, for once, I ended up agreeing with Danny Murphy on match of the day, which is a very rare occurrence. Um, it would, I think, it would have been a sh- shame for him to get sent off, sent off, taking off any kind of Leicester bias at all. I think. By left, left of the law, he might he, he was probably looking to get away with it, but he wasn't he wasn't trying to punch him in the face. He was almost trying to say, just say to get off because he'd been on he'd been trying to tug his shirt for the past ten seconds. Yeah. More than tugging his shirt, wanted his shirt off his yeah, back. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Well, um, yeah, well, yeah. I think it would have been a shame had he been sent off because it wasn't wasn't malicious, and I know intent doesn't matter, but. Just so happened that the bloke was a bit smaller than me. Yeah, I, I think he was just trying to push him in the chest to push him away. Yeah. And uh, Gale's stooping down. He's not the biggest either, and no. he caught him flush in the face. So it was a bit of a, um, a nervy moment for for Maguire, but he managed to get through that. But that was about the only thing that went right for Leicester City in that first half, because just before um, half time, uh, Vicente Bora 
uh, limped off with with a hamstring injury, which could be um, season-ending for him. And uh, Leicester City suddenly, from having a plethora of midfielders, are down to two yeah, now. Do you remember, remember those those days? Not long ago, where Leicester had too many midfielders that they allowed ones to go out on loan and all sorts. And they were good. Well, let's times. do the head count then. Andy time. King's out on loan. Danny Amate could be back in training this week, uh, but I think Burnley would be too. Too well, he's not him. trained yet, has he? He's been out for such a long time with a hamstring injury. Matty James ruled out for the season. Yeah. Uh, Vicente Abora now as well. Wilfred Diddy's got to serve another game suspension. Um, so it leaves Adrian Silva and the youngster we're going to discuss yeah. in a minute because he came on and made quite an impact, Hamza Chowdhury. Yeah, um, so we're down to just two, really. I mean, you can look at... I know a lot of fans on social media were talking about maybe... The other options you've got is maybe bringing Harry Maguire into midfield because he's clutched enough to play there. Um, bringing Is he Dra- mobile and bringing Dragovic in um, as centre back, or you've got Harvey Barnes as well. You could probably fill in on the bench. But as you expect, it's probably going to be Adrian Silva and um, Hamza Chowdhury, who both I thought play, played well um, on Saturday. Silva, this is his big chance. There's been a lot of talk about how he's the the, the, the big thing, and having not played for months, it's his chance to shine. This is his chance to shine now, and he, I thought he grew into the game quite well. Having to replace someone like Nadidi, who wins tackle after tackle after tackle, I thought he put his foot in well and won a few tackles. Um, so, yeah, I thought he was impressive. Chowdhury as well came in and showed the kind of promise that a lot of people within the club think he has. Well, going back to Silva, I thought first half he was quite combative because I, I know we did um, so a story with uh, Silva where he was saying like he's just getting up to speed. It's taken him a while to get up to the pace yeah. and the intensity of English football. He looked like he was up to speed against Newcastle. He made some telling tackles and interceptions and he did some good tracking as well. He used the ball pretty well. It was his through ball for uh, Mares to, uh, for the penalty mm. shout as well. But I think he did o- OK overall. I think the pair of them, Vicente Bora and Silva in midfield, um, both continental used to that sort of more slow pace of game probably don't move the ball as fast as they should do sometimes but yeah. you know that's still a learning curve but let's get on to, to, to Hamza let's talk about Hamza because we were debating whether he was going to be given uh, his first Premier League start before the game didn't I think it was the logical decision yeah. to bring Silver in instead but he certainly got an earlier um, introduction than he, uh, he thought and I thought it was quite an all-action display from the youngster. Yeah, we said in the build-up, didn't we, that he's probably the most like-for-like swap from from Mendidi because he's challenged renowned for his ball-winning as well. Did having seen him come on, they are they are different because Mendidi is all over the place all the time, like charging up, running around, charging after the ball. Chowdhury, while he is also a ball winner, was a lot. He sat really deep. Like, I was surprised by how deep he sat. It was almost like a third centre back at times. Well, he was behind the centre backs trying to pick up the ball at yeah, occasions. Which, I, I don't want him there. Which, I want him further so, which I don't know. That, that is, I've not seen enough of his game to to know whether that's what he usually does or whether he's doing it because he's inexperienced at that level. So I wanted to take a bit of a step back so he could see what was going on. But made a decent ta- made a couple of decent tackles, a few real crucial interceptions. Read the game, I thought, pretty well. Sometimes it's caught out of position a little bit, but it's to be, to be expected. I thought the, the signs were really promising for, for the future. And and with Leicester's injury troubles in midfield, possibly for the rest of the season, not maybe not starting every week when Ndidi comes back, but at least being in and around, around the squad, I think, it looked very bright for the future. Absolutely. Let's talk about another, because uh, Pearl said that Chowdhury was the... 
only positive for the game. But there is another positive. It's Jamie Vardy's continued yeah. his goal-scoring run. Uh, nine goals in 11 games now for City. Um, but he doesn't seem to be getting many chances. And, and he does look isolated in all those games. It's been a remarkable run of goal-scoring from him. Because, you know, we don't see a lot of him in the game. They don't feed him. Well, he's getting about one chance a game, isn't he? Yeah. And he's, and he's taking And he's, taking, he's real, t- turned into a real poacher, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, it does beg the greedy question is imagine what he could do mm. if he was getting more and more chances he could be really extra prolific <sighs> it's a sign of the player that he is I think in that even when he is isolated like he has been in recent weeks because of Leicester's struggles with the new style of play and, it's, and the teething problems that we're now starting to see he has been left cut an isolated figure and I know you can think of quite a few forwards who would probably just think, ah, oh, I'm, I'm, that's me done, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to get a chance, I'm not going to, I might as well just put my feet up for the rest of the game. But Vard isn't like that, is he? He'll constantly run and harass, and he's always ready for that chance to come, and it, eventually it did, and it keeps it, what's, yeah, see, 9 and 11 now, which is superb return for someone that's getting, that's feeding on scraps for most of it. I think half the problem is that uh, Pilar's not settled on who is the best support striker for him he's tried Shinji Okazaki Shinji was anonymous at Brighton so it wasn't a surprise that Shinji was dropped for me No, not I know a few people might have been surprised but I certainly wasn't uh, but Diabate coming in was a bit of a surprise now he's tried uh, Dimari Gray there as well in that central role and the problem is when Vardy goes, runs the channel and comes out of the box nobody break, is breaking in there Shinji is the only one that does it breaks into the box and to become that number nine in yeah because there were a few chances out. weren't there where there were a few times where Vardy got into the channels and crossed a really good ball back across into the six-yard box, but on both occasions, not a soul in no the one box. there. No, exactly. Now, Diabati showed some signs, I thought, of, uh, of exciting football in the future, but that's the future for me at the moment. He didn't influence the game in any real way. There was a couple of bright moments, but that was it. I think this is a big problem for Puel. He needs to sort out who's going to be that number 10, somebody who's got that ability to drop off, to turn, to play balls in for Vardy, but then also break into the box if Vardy goes wide. And at the moment, I don't think he, he knows who's the right man to do that. I mean, that is a question that it's not just Claude that's had that problem, has it? I mean, we've looked back at, at Claudio and maybe even Nigel a little bit, and also Shakespeare, the whole who replaces Shinji Okazaki debate. We've had it so many times. They've spent so much money trying to replace Shinji, and Okazaki has been, for most of the time, the best support for Vardy because he has the energy to link up the play defensively but also, especially this season, get forward into the box. Problem was, Okazaki was, was dreadful against Brighton, which I think skewed Puel's view a little bit and, and thought he was worth a change. Okazaki is still that player that does it best. Whether in the summer Puel looks at bringing in the person he wants to play in that position, we'll have to wait and see. But it's not the only position, is it, where I think Pole's going to look to strengthen in the summer. No, it could be a, a busy summer, but we'll get on to that in a minute mm. because there's one uh, item in your um, your five things that um, I wanted to discuss. I mean, that's the, um, the, the reaction, yeah. really, and the expectation yeah. uh, that's around the club at the moment. Yeah. Come on, James, say what you think. Well, I mean, I, I get it. So there's a lot of frustration, isn't there, coming out of uh, out of the club, which I can understand because so it's another home game without a result which has led to a lot of supporters 
venting frustrations, which is only natural, but also some of them like asking whether Claude is the right man to take the club forward, some even calling for his head, like hashtag Poilin and all this kind of nonsense. I, I understand why they're frustrated, because they are a group of fans, we are a group of fans who are used to seeing that in-your-face intensity from Leicester, the, that counter-attacking style that they're used to, and they're now seeing a team that is, at times recently, passing the ball around, not doing much with it, keeping the ball a lot, just going back to Casper, passing it over, again. passing it over like it's a like a newborn baby, just passing it around really carefully, not doing much with it, not really creating many chances. That's a, but that's a natural progression, isn't it? From when Claude came in, he said we can't just play counter-attacking football because they've been sussed out, and we saw that last season. Leicester's lump it into the channel, survive to chase doesn't won't work anymore against teams like. Newcastle and the teams that will sit back against you because Vardy has no space to run in behind so we need to add an extra string to the bow which is what he's trying to do the start of his reign we saw some really decent performances like you think about the Swansea game uh, the Southampton game away at Newcastle away at Newcastle well, yeah. they played some some superb football and not just counter-track football they played some superb football with passing the ball around at the minute we aren't seeing that we're seeing the the real kind of laborious movement of the ball but it's not just fans that are frustrated by that if you look, see, if you look at Puel on the touchline he's furious at times with how slowly the ball is being moved that's not what he wants to happen he wants the ball to be passed and kept but moved quicker well, he said about it after the game didn't he he spoke about there was a lack of intensity yeah. uh, the lack of pace to the game he likes them to pass the ball quickly and get it. he wants that intensity that you talk about that the fans are synonymous with uh, they see synonymous with their team um, but at the moment, they're just not getting it at the moment. And that's probably down to the personnel. Is that a case that... It might well be a case that some, the personnel he's got in there can't all, can't all fit and play the way that he wants them to. But Leicester, we, we know from him coming in that Leicester are in transition now and they're trying to move a, potentially away from that title-winning either well style and also squad, which we come to with your verdict the, over the weekend... But if you accept the premise that they are in transition and that the style of play is being adapted to make them more sustainable long-term and battle in that top half consistently long-term, then you have to also understand that there are going to be problems with that because it's not what they're used to, which also means that you have to have patience with it. And I don't, I don't think some supporters have that at the minute. I thought for me, and I've been thinking this for a while, it's not just um, the defeat, it's not a reaction to a defeat against Newcastle, but I just feel that uh, for a while now this, this squad, uh, its natural lifespan is coming to an, an end. Everything changes in football and uh, it's been a fantastic period for Leicester City, it's been a fantastic era full of success and great memories of the Premier League, Champions League, but it just feels like now some of, the, uh, some of those players in the squad you know their their sit time at City may be coming to end, and I think it's going to be a huge summer for Leicester City. I think there's going to be a lot of changes we're going to see in the squad. There's going to be a number of players going out. Some naturally uh, will move on uh, with contracts ending, and uh, and other clubs. I mean the lads that are out on loan at the moment. Other clubs might want to take them. Uh, Riyad Mahrez, we pretty much certain he's going to go somewhere this summer yeah. after the last two transfer windows. I think City will probably run out of patience with him if he tries that again. Uh, but I can see, and I can see some of the lads that have uh, come in the last couple of years and haven't been a hit, like Islam Slamani, uh, Ahmed Musa as well, moving on. So we're going to see a lot of players moving out, and 
it's going to be such a huge and hugely important period for the club to bring in the right players. Now we know the chairman has got lots and lots of money. Yes. And the club has just announced record um, profits as well. So he, I, I'm sure he will back Puel in the transfer market but it's so important they get it right because they've had some really poor transfer windows haven't they in, in recent years and the fans that's one of the big criticisms of the club isn't it the fans think that the money's not been wisely spent yeah spe I mean, especially that the, the title winning summer which was that was the key one wasn't it because it was Leicester at their biggest position of strength that they have ever been possibly will ever be again champions of England this was their that was their one summer where they could strengthen properly and take them and, and establish themselves at that kind of level all of those players that they signed in that summer are now no longer at the club they're either sold or out on loan with debatable futures shall we say they can't that can't happen again this time especially yeah. when especially when they're in a position where the manager has got a style that he wants to that he wants to implement to give Leicester long-term sustainability. They have to get the right personnel in to be able to match that. Because if they don't, then it, that is that can be disastrous. And they've got the core of a squad there to build on already. I mean, you got Casper in goal. He's you know still young relatively for a, a goalkeeper. Yeah. I know he's not had the, the best of seasons this season, but he was Player of the Year last year. Jamie Vardy doesn't look to show any signs of slowing down. The City rely on him that much that so you've got to get another couple of years out of him as well. You have got Nididi who's been impressive. Harry Maguire at the back. You have got Chile Damari Gray coming through as well. Uh, Hamza Chowdhury we just talked about. Yeah, um, you've got the likes of Bora and Silva who are those two kind of cultured central midfielders that, especially Bora, he's tailor-made for, for Puel's new style of keeping the ball, isn't he? So, looking at it, there are players there, the, 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 the new breed, as you might say, who, probably, who do have that in them. It's, it's, getting, it's getting the others right around them, I think, is going to be the big issue. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we, if Mares goes, there's going to be some money there. It's vital they're bringing a creative player like that. They need to solve the number ten situation as well. They need to sort out as well who's going to play alongside Maguire at the back. Is it they're going to stick with Wes Morgan because you know his form hasn't been great uh, the last few weeks. But um, you know, there's a, there's a big problems for Pure to solve, and he didn't have the opportunity at Southampton because they got rid of him after finishing eighth. Yeah. If City finish eighth. I, I expect he'll get um, the opportunity, but it's really important they get it right. Yeah, well, you'd like you'd like to hope so. Um, you like I mean, I mean, what a poor bloke he'd be if he finishes eighth with two medium-sized clubs and <laughs> gets binned off both times. <laughs> that is, I mean, that's just, that would just highlight the ludicrousness of the Premier League. But we're not going to. That's not going to happen. It's going to yeah. be fine. Um, yeah, uh, I, I do have a few. Obviously, we think Maris is going to is going to go if if someone pays the right money for him. I do have. I mean, I, I worry a little bit from from a fan's point of view because people are going to surely people are going to be sniffing around Harry Maguire and, and especially Wolfden. And Didi. Didi, yeah. I mean, those, those two, I think, are the, are the two. Not from any sense of inside information from a journalist's point of view, but from a fan's point of view, they're the two. I think they're going to cause worry that that people might be sniffed around because those two are so crucial for Leicester's future. No, absolutely, and and so is this weekend's game at Burnley. Oh, yeah. It is crucial because they are chasing uh, a Europa League spot. We'll be back later in the week with a, another podcast to preview Burnley. We'll be uh, talking after Claude Puel's uh, press conference. We'll have stories running throughout the week on our website and our Facebook page as well. Uh, don't forget to head over to beer52.com. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next time.